When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in first hour of this podcast includes portions that are difficult to listen to. At times, Doug Maurice freaks out over the idea of discussing science and at times comes to hate himself. So if you would like to listen to the discussion around the cancellation of the Ohio State-Maryland game, please prepare yourself for some tough moments during the first hour of this podcast. If you would like to skip that discussion, you may move ahead to roughly the 102 or 103 mark of this podcast and consume the second half consisting of a discussion of a tech subscriber survey about football. Again, the first half is an important discussion, but at times a difficult one. We apologize for Doug's behavior and will attempt to avoid it in the future, which means we should probably avoid science. Thank you. And now, Buckeye Talk. Welcome back to the big Thursday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. This is not what we thought we'd be doing because we're not talking about a game. We're talking about a game that's not getting played. Ohio State, Maryland on Saturday has been canceled because of positive COVID-19 tests within the Maryland football program. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. This news came out on Wednesday afternoon after I had sent out a big survey about how everybody was feeling about stuff to our tech subscribers So, listen, we're not going to hit you over the head with two hours of coronavirus speculation because we could what if ourselves into oblivion. And that's not fun. We are going to try to deal with some facts and we'll talk a little bit about like what might happen with Ohio State. But listen, there's four SEC games this week. More than half the SEC schedule has been called off. This Big Ten game. Eight games overall so far, it's only Wednesday evening as we record this, so far have been called off. So there's no sense in living in the, well, this is what's happened. And based on what's happened, what's going to happen? Because more stuff's going to happen. Last week, there were 10 games that were called off. The week, week before, October 31st, there were only three. Weekend of October 24th, there were only two. So more games are getting canceled again, or at least getting postponed. So stuff is happening. And the thing that I would advise you about is it's probably going to keep happening. So there's no reason to try to guess what might happen next, but there's also no reason to get wrapped up in, oh, well, now Ohio State's had a game canceled and they have one fewer game than Indiana. And what if that, because listen, this is, this is not going to be it. And the thing is, if this is it, if this is literally the last Big Ten game that gets canceled, it doesn't matter. It's one game. It's no big deal. It's fine. And it's not going to have any effect on anybody. 
So if it is only this, great. Doesn't matter. If it's more than this, then we'll deal with it when there's more. So we're going to talk for the first, I don't know, probably half hour, 45 minutes, something about what is up with Ohio State not playing Maryland and what might it mean for the Buckeyes. And then we're going to get into some other stuff. I sent out survey questions about where we stand now. Who do you think the quarterback for Ohio State in 2021 will be? What do you think the state of the Heisman race is? Who do you think is going to win the Big Ten West? Stuff like that. We're going to deal with some football stuff, but we do have questions from the texters. Nathan's the one who sent out the news on the text. And I don't know if you guys went back and read the texts. There were a lot of text responses, Nathan, that were, no, 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 (laughs) F word. No, ah, no, which I guess is what we should have expected to the idea of Ohio State having its first game canceled this season. Yeah. No, and I think people, especially because I think this whole time we've had this in the back of our mind, that at some point, probably every team in the Big Ten will encounter something. Some teams it happened right away. Wisconsin didn't get through the first weekend. You know, Ohio State, and maybe maybe Ohio State's contribution was only going to be the, the Justin Hilliard false positive, and maybe they would get lucky and skate the rest of the way. But we, we knew that this is always a possibility. But I think the thing is, and I think the fans knew that too, but I don't think anybody woke up every day thinking, will this be the day we find out something? I, I don't know that we really had it that present in our mind. So when you find out a game is canceled, it's, it's just another example of things that are like completely inevitable, but also really shocking when you hear the news. Like we said, when Trevor Lawrence got COVID, it's not a surprise yet when stuff happens, it is a surprise, right? When Wisconsin was having games canceled, it's like, well, it's not like it's not going to happen to anybody else in the Big Ten. It's not going to only be them. But then when it's the team you cover, when it's the team you guys listen and care about, it still is a little bit of a shock to the system. So if this was a normal podcast, we'd go through all of us and we'd say, how did you react when you heard the news? And somebody would say, I was very surprised. And somebody would say, I was moderately to very surprised. And somebody would say, I was not quite moderately to moderately surprised. So we're going to skip that. We get it. We're going to deal with what is now, what are the facts? And here's what we're not going to deal with. We're not going to deal with is the American government handling handling coronavirus correctly? Are people over it? A football game was canceled. This is the policy in place in the Big Ten. These are the decisions that are being made by football programs. And we are reacting to that. I already got like the, hey, I know you guys don't like to deal with politics, but here's my take on coronavirus and why the whole world views it wrong. And it was like, that is not what the texts are for. And that is not, go listen to 400,000 other podcasts about this. We're dealing with the football aspect of this from the 619, Nathan. Is this Big Ten conference protocol canceling this game? Or are the officials at Maryland canceling this game? I do think it is a worthwhile endeavor to try to understand what exactly happened to have this game called off. And Stephen, Nathan, and I each had a little thing that we researched that will sort of be in charge of the facts of that part of the podcast as we discuss it. This is what Nathan covered. But I also want to make the point, none of us here are trying to be amateur epidemiologists. Because if you're a sports writer in Ohio trying to be an amateur epidemiologist, you might get hired by a state government. And I don't want to get hired by a state government to study data analysis. So I'm telling everybody, I'm not an amateur epidemiologist. Just in case there are any governors out there looking for a little help, I'm off the market. I have enough to do. Nathan, 
Why? Who canceled this? Why was it canceled? All right. So I think it's a very good question and because people know about the thresholds that Big Ten has, the 5%, 5%, red, red thresholds, the team threshold, the, the community threshold, which is personnel around the team. Um, so far, the three cancellations that have happened, I don't think any of them, from what I can tell, fall under that category. Wisconsin canceled its game based on its own decision internally they decided it they were they were thinking that way they went to the big 10 said we want to cancel the big 10 signed off on it and that same thing happened with maryland they disclosed that they had had uh, eight players test positive in the last seven days which would get you you know on a roster of well you know there's 85 scholarship players on a roster so you know you're under well under five percent for um for the the or ten percent for the the team threshold and well under ten percent for the um for the population threshold Definitely. But I think in this case and with the Maryland case, it's more just an abundance of caution. They know that there could be more tests coming. And once you've already identified the the problem to this level and you feel like there's more coming, I feel like I'm I'm interpreting their actions. I think it's they, they feel the prudent decision is to cancel things now logistically before you wait until the day of the game or whatever to start having to make these decisions after it gets even worse. And when Wisconsin canceled the first week, they then had more positives in the next couple of days after that from when they initially canceled, right? So does it feel like there's an expectation as the teams make these decisions that this is where we are now, but like we think we're going to get worse and then we may be over the threshold, but we're going to call it a little bit early. Well, and the other thing to remember here too, I mean, yes, I think that that is the case. And, and remember Ohio State did this back in, whenever it was June or July, when they had their own interruption where they had some, a a test spike and they shut everything down for a week. Again, that was kind of an abundance of caution. You didn't have a game coming up next. So it didn't influence, it didn't affect anybody else, but a week later they were back up and running because at that point, I think it was, it was such a small number of tests that they were able to kind of get things under control, came out of it a week later and felt like they could get back at it. The thing to remember here is too, that there are other thresholds that you can hit that even if they don't force you to cancel a game, they force you to alter your practices and things like that. And if, again, if you get to Wednesday already and you're having to do something like that, how prudent is it to then still be planning to play a game, especially for a team that's going to have to travel, I suppose, to have to do all of that stuff for a game two days later that may not be able to be played. So I I think that that, again, they didn't hit the thresholds from what they've told us. They didn't announce that they'd hit the thresholds. The big 10 didn't say, Hey, we got your reports. So we have to cancel your game. Maryland and the way Maryland stated it, I think this is important too. Maryland said um, in um, following a recommendation from university health officials and in consultation with the big 10 conference. So somebody within Maryland said, this is, this is a problem. We don't think you should play football on Saturday. From the 216, the Big Ten laid out clear, strict standards for when games can't be played. Why is the Big Ten allowing teams like Maryland who do not meet that stringent threshold to cancel games without forfeiting? So they're saying, I think some people are saying, well, why, if, if you don't want to play, then why is it like a, a canceled game? If it's one school and it's not at the threshold, why isn't it a forfeit? If Indiana has three positive cases in their program next week, they can just cancel the Ohio State game increasing their chances of getting to the big 10 championship from the two one six. So I can't tell sometimes if that's, if you actually think that, like, do you actually think that like Indiana would have some strategy to be like, Hey, let's just cancel the game. And then we can like, we can win the East because we canceled the game. Cause I, I mean, we went through hell. The big 10 went through 
craziness to like get this season started. And now like, I don't think you, I don't think people really think that they're just trying to be cautious with safety. So I guess, and, and the forfeit or not a forfeit is again, you're a conference. And I thought, I think we've been through that before also of when I can feel myself getting agitated. I don't want to get agitated. It's one of these things. It's very hard. The idea that a, a, a sickness that, that affects different groups of people in different ways, but hospitalizations in this country are up 30% in the last week, that it has somehow become like an issue to debate rather than just discuss. I, I, it's like I, I can feel like people listening to these words and then like trying to debate it. And we're just trying to explain why a conference filled with amateur athletes that canceled a season, then restarted a season and is now playing a season is going to be cautious from a health standpoint. And I feel like I'm tiptoeing through landmines trying to, should we stop it? Can we do this podcast? I like, I can feel myself like not even like every word that comes out of my mouth. I'm like, well, I don't want to, they're just trying to do their best. And they tried to do their best on August 11th when they canceled it. They tried to do their best on September 16th when they brought it back. Do you have to, I mean, the SEC is trying to play games. It's like, well, you have to have 53 of your 85 scholarship people to play a game. And they're like, we have 57. Let's play. It's like, are you kidding me? That's insane. Do so you I see the get- tweet today. Um, I want to see if I can find it. LSU, their, their second string quarterback was their 30 year old punter earlier this week in practice. I mean, that is, is that, that like is Zach, that- Zach Van Rosenberg or whatever his name is, which is hilarious in its own right. But yeah, they've got like a, an actual like Scott Bakula necessary roughness situation playing out in LSU before they decided to cancel their game this week. I mean, it's it's not good out there. Um, and I think that it's I feel like we've reverted back to like May and April and July in in some ways. Um, and maybe that's a, but maybe that has value. Maybe that's a good reminder. I don't think as you're saying before, I don't think we need to like spread fear here i think it could be that ohio state returns to playing a game next saturday and plays the rest of its season and we look back on this as the one blip but um, i don't think it's um, a waste of time to give people some perspective on what's going on out there because whether it was august or whether it was september all along i think we've been telling people don't discount the possibility that this gets so much worse everywhere that they have to make the decision that they made in the first place but it's one of those things no. like just, just because it's happening, do we have to talk about it? Is anyone enjoying this so far? I feel like we need to give people information, but I'm hearing the debate in my head and it makes me not want to talk. So I can't keep talking about how I don't want to talk. Stephen, go ahead. I think the only thing that I don't like is the idea that a team who whose fault it is has to forfeit. This is a worldwide, this is a pandemic. They That's airborne. Like They can only have but so much control over how much whether or not you get it or not, you can do everything you can and still get this virus. So this idea that we're going to blame one school for getting it and punish them by punishing them by making them forfeit a game is a little ridiculous because all of these, everybody's not in a situation where they can completely isolate from the world. If you live in a dorm room, it's not your fault that the kids around you who don't play football aren't following the rules the way you need to follow the rules and do what you want to do. And you can also the fact that it's a forfeit or not doesn't affect anything. 
No. Like it's, it goes on, a, it goes on your record as a very empty win. It doesn't affect yeah. anything that it, it, as far as like an advancement of some kind this year, it doesn't mean anything towards that. So don't, don't get wrapped up in whether it's a forfeit or not. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to lay the foundation that this is a conference that operates as a group. They operate in good faith with each other and they are operating with caution and with health risks in mind. And there are some people out there that on the far end think, college football never should have restarted and that this is just a money grab. And there are some people on the other opposite end who think this is silly, just plow through the college kids don't get that sick. And we're not going to have that debate. We are going to operate on, this is the foundation. It is a group of 14 schools and 14 football programs operating in unison with good faith and caution. And I don't care if you like that or not, that's what's happening. So we're going to answer every question and address every issue with that in mind. And I'm going to stop having fake arguments in my head. From the 219, Kevin Warren's call not to allow replacement games. If so, why? So that's another part of this. I know there for like 10 seconds, Alabama LSU was canceled this week because of LSU. Ohio State Maryland is canceled because of Maryland. Everybody says, let's have Ohio State play Bama. But we went through this when Nebraska wanted to play Chattanooga the the first week when their Wisconsin game was canceled. And Nathan, right, it makes sense. They're not going outside the conference. They are not playing non-conference games and they're not shoving some rando on the schedule three days before Ohio State was supposed to play somebody else, right? If they, yeah, if they say in August that we're only playing conference games because we want to contain this and have um, uh, uniform standards across the board and uh, potentially avoid... Um, uh, spread that way then why in a week where a team has to cancel a game do you think they're going to welcome someone in from outside I know that it's Alabama and it's not South Alabama it's not just some rando school not you know a lesser tier school I know it's still an upper tier school but I think when you it, it, I, that, it just doesn't make sense logically when you when you stop and break it down. I know why people would want to see that also I'm not sure Alabama and Ohio State want to play each other at this point this season either on short notice anybody I don't think anybody would want to reschedule a game with another team at this point in the week and have one day of prep for that game. I mean, even from the from a strictly from a football standpoint, it's it's illogical to do. People have done it. People have done it this year. They've people have shoved some stuff around. I said we're recording this eight o'clock eight o'clock on Wednesday night. If on Thursday morning they announce that who else is supposed to play each other this week, who's North Northwestern's playing Purdue, right? If there's an outbreak at Northwestern and Northwestern can't play and they cancel Northwestern Purdue and Purdue's already had a game canceled against Wisconsin. I don't think it would be impossible for Ohio state and Purdue to say, can we play each other? And for the big 10 to be like, yeah, you can play each other. I think that actually would be possible. And I don't think Ryan day would say, well, no, we're not going to play it because we need a game plan more for George Karloftis or that Purdue would say, no, well, we don't need to play. We don't want to play. We, we don't know how good Justin feels. I think they just play. I really think that would be possible. So let's see. That's why, like, I don't, I, I don't think the right thing to say right now is Ohio state is not playing Saturday. I'm short of that. I'm they're not playing Maryland Saturday, but I'm telling you four games got canceled in the sec. The big Ten's already only playing eight. So if there's some wackiness and all of a sudden you can slide a little bit around, listen, watch the film on the bus and go play. So I I'm throwing that out there as pure spitballing, but no, they're not playing Bama. From the 631, do you think the cancellation of this game specifically is making the Big Ten look a little dumb? Obviously, safety is the first priority, but if the threshold was a bit higher, 
I don't know any of the exact numbers. Wouldn't they be able to contact Trace and test and make a later call about it, about whether the game would be played? It also feels like the Big Ten might be super upset since they are slightly jeopardizing their best team's playoff chances. So Alabama's not playing this week either. It's one of eight that's not being played this week. So again, you have to realize what's happening around the world. And the other team that everybody says is going to playoffs just lost because their quarterback got it. So everybody's dealing with it. Steven, like, do you, do you think this makes the Big Ten look dumb in some way? No, it makes the Big Ten look like what the Big Ten has been throughout this entire process, and that's cautious. Even if it is Maryland's decision to do so over the, over, you know, the Big Ten having a certain threshold, that's what it looks like. And, I mean, they've been cautious the entire time, so you're not surprised when they do the exact same thing again, especially – when, as Nathan already pointed out, yes, they reported eight, but they could have some more tests come back in the next 48 hours and find out it was 12 or 16 or 21. And then all of a sudden, okay, they did a good job. They stopped it early. And so, no, I'm not surprised that the cautious conference is being cautious about anything. Yeah. And it's just hard. I mean, like I get why they came back and, and, there's a couple people I follow on Twitter who are way, way, way on the far side of, amateur athletes and them being taken advantage of and money grabs and all that stuff. And they just think that the whole season should be canceled right now. And I, you have to take into account that the players wanted to play and the families of the players wanted to play. And the vast majority of the players in this conference, I I do not think feel like they are being taken advantage of, or that the only reason that college football is being played is because of money. And of course, of course, things happen because of money. That's the other thing, too. It's like, well, the only reason this is happening is because of money. It's like, yeah, if there was no money, nothing would happen. If there was no America. money, I wouldn't be doing this right now for free. I'm not doing it for free. If there was no money, we restaurants wouldn't be open because we're trying to keep restaurants open. And then Governor Mike DeWine you know, came on on Wednesday night and said, if the numbers don't get better, they might have to close down restaurants and bars and gyms in Ohio in a week. But if nobody had to pay for any of that, they'd already be closed. So it's okay. And sometimes it's like, oh, all anybody cares. Yeah, all anybody cares about is money. Welcome to America. Welcome to the world. That's okay. Because money's money pays people's salaries. Money pays for all the other athletic programs that exist at a university and provides opportunities. It's like, yeah. The money matters. So uh, sometimes those people way on the edge. Uh, I have definitely, I don't think the players feel like they're being taken advantage of, but Nathan, it's the cautious conference being cautious. If you thought the big 10 was going to come back, be like, okay, we canceled. We uncanceled. We're back. We're playing no matter what. I mean, that was never going to be the case. And if anybody's like upset about this, I think you just sort of had the wrong picture in your head of how the big 10 was going to handle this. Right, Nathan. Yeah, I mean, the same thing is in, in that first week of August when they put out the, the original schedule or the revised schedule, I should say. And at the time, we're saying, you know, this could all change, which it did. It did within a week. And I think we were telling people when they when they re-brought it back on September or whatever, you sent the text out today, I forget the exact date. But when they first, when they resurrected the season, I think if you go back and listen to our podcast from that day, I think we probably we mentioned it and we were within our, you know, it was prudent to mention it that to remind people that we're not out of the woods of this. And, you know, Rutgers president caught a lot of um, when Rutgers was one of the obvious no votes for bringing this back. um, Rutgers president did an interview and, and said it 
very plainly that he thought that this was all lunacy because he saw that the rates and the where things were going, especially in the Southeast, he was talking about the time, which actually some of that's gotten a little bit better, but now it's come to the big 10. Now another big 10 is kind of what the Southeast I think was looking at at that time. Um, the rates are getting bad and he sees, you know, a situation where you could start seeing campuses shut down again. And if that starts happening, then you're not going to have football anyway. So those are all things that we've, we've brought up. I think if you had dismissed the op- the possibility, any of that could happen, then um, sorry, sorry if you're getting caught a little bit off guard, but that's always been there. It's all, that specter has always kind of been lingering there. Okay, so let's move on to the second thing. This is the thing that I kind of researched, and it, and it leads out of what you just said, Nathan. The campuses had already planned that when the students go home for Thanksgiving break, they're not coming back. So they only have like two more weeks to get through, and then – you really can narrow the focus on what you're doing here. So Ohio State, their last day of in-person classes is November 25th, which is the Wednesday uh, before Thanksgiving. And which is two weeks from today as we record this. So if you can get there, then you eliminate a little bit of what you were just talking about, right? The idea of, well, we're shut down campus. Well, now we can't have football. So that would be three regular season games planned after Students go home and don't come back. And then the Big Ten Championship game on the 19th. And then Ohio State is even easing students back in virtually when they come back in January, that they're not coming back in person right away. So as things stand now, if you can get the student body to two weeks from now, as it's scheduled, you would get through almost basically the rest of the college football season without students being around. And so that Again, I'm not an expert on this, but I tried to look some stuff up. That certainly would be a little bit better, right? I mean, Justin Fields, and I think we need to talk about this because, Stephen, you asked Justin about it on Wednesday. You know, I think the Ohio State players are being pretty good about not going out and mixing with the student population that much anyway. But it would it would make it even easier. It would it just, short, you know, reduces the crowd, makes the bubble a little tighter, and I think I think this next two weeks is going to be really big. And again, I'm I'm I didn't look up what all other 13 Big Ten campuses and what every other Power Five campus is doing, but I think a lot are doing this kind of thing. So this is really a two week stretch. And as we said, it's getting worse. Let me just do it real quick. By weekend of the season, how many games were canceled? The September 12th weekend, five, then seven, then seven, then three, then two, then seven, then two, then three. And then last week is when it really jumped. Last weekend, 10, and already for this coming weekend, eight. So we've seen that jump. I think everybody is not a surprise that as we got to fall, a lot of the actual scientists were saying that's when we could see a rise in cases. We are seeing a rise in cases throughout the country. So I do want to talk about a little bit about sort of how community spread, how campus spread may or may not affect what can happen in the Big Ten. But Stephen, just give people a little glimpse into what a person, what an athlete like Justin Fields, how he's living right now to avoid the coronavirus as much as he possibly can. He doesn't go anywhere that isn't the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. He literally leaves his house to do that or to walk his dog Uno. Other than that, he sits in the house, he watches film, he hangs out with his dog, watches Netflix, whatever. But some of this is just his personality. He doesn't want to, he doesn't really like to go out anyway, because, I mean, he's a famous 
Ohio State starting quarterback, so he probably doesn't want to be bombarded by a million people for autographs and pictures and whatnot. But also, I, I think there's an understanding there of, especially after what just happened with Trevor Lawrence, he can't afford to do, go through what Trevor Lawrence went through because Trevor Lawrence with ACC protocol only had to sit, he had to isolate for 10 days and then go through the hard stuff to be, be able to get back on the field. But he really only missed two day, games. And that's because of when he tested positive, it was a Wednesday. If he had tested positive or maybe a, a Monday, he probably could have played against Notre Dame. Justin Fields doesn't have that. If he tests positive and it's confirmed, he's out for 21 days and that's Ohio state season. So he can't afford to, you know, mess around and be out there and be social at all. So really his personality of already being a homebody who doesn't really like to go out in public too much fits the what Ohio State absolutely needs from him and the fact that every time we've talked to him, even today on Wednesday when we talked to him, he does his Zoom interviews in his own house. Everybody else that we've talked to, even Ryan Day in the Woody with the Ohio State banner in the background, but with him, they, he's probably very rarely with the rest of the quarterbacks, Ryan Day pulls him aside. But then also it's you are here to practice and then you go home and you sit, stay home and you do not pass go and you do not collect $200 when you go home. So Justin Fields is locking it down, but I think it will be even easier for everybody else when students are on campus from the 614. I guess my only real question is, do you think the one bright spot in this moving forward is that these players in a week and a half will be on campus without students? They will be in pretty much a bubble. And I feel like that is the shining spot that may lead to the season uh, being able to be finished. That's six bets from the 614. So again, I, I tried to look at a couple numbers here. There is the campus spread and Ohio State's dashboard on this is really good. I mean, if you guys just Google like Ohio State University coronavirus dashboard, I've been very frustrated with the lack of specific information from the football team. And that story seems to have filtered away, which is what Ohio State expected. Nobody's getting on with Ryan Day every week and saying like, how come you guys don't release the coronavirus testing numbers around the football team? So Ohio State is not being transparent with that, but they are being transparent with the student body at large. And they have a very interesting dashboard that tracks everything. And so I looked at that and I looked at a couple of the numbers and I just want to, I want to give a little perspective here. The rolling seven-day average positivity rate, which is constantly the last seven days, the last seven days, which gives you a little better number because sometimes one day might have a weird spike because it was coming off a weekend or whatever. But that rolling seven-day average really allows you to constantly monitor the trends. This is among the Ohio State campus. On October 16th, the positivity rate of Ohio State tests was 0.79. That is really low. That's really good. This week on November 9th, that rate was 1.88. So in the past three and a half weeks, the positivity rate had more than doubled on the Ohio State campus. So 1.88 is not through the roof, but it went from 0.79 to 1.88 between October 16th and November 9th. So you know, if you believe that a football team is somewhat susceptible to the community, it's going up in the campus community. Again, it's not out of control, but that's just the issue. Overall, student positivity rate from August 14th, when they started doing it through November 9th, is 1.94. So when they were at 0.79 in the middle of October, that was, that was a good bottoming out, right? So now it's kind of getting back to the average. And, and I'm just telling you, that would maybe lead you to say, okay, well, maybe maybe this, the chances of Ohio State having an outbreak have slightly increased because the numbers have gone up in the campus community. 
I don't know if that's exactly how it works, but that makes sense to me as somebody who is not an epidemiologist. The R ratio or R1, what they are the, the, the how many people is a single person with coronavirus spreading it to, that if you have it and you give it to one other person, that's an R ratio of one, okay? Or whatever it's called, R not or R1. It's a thing, it's a science thing. Seriously, I'm out. I can't do it. <laughs> What am I doing? What am I doing? This doesn't make any sense. I'm terrible at this. Okay. On September 6th, the R ratio on Ohio State's campus. No, or in Ohio. I'm going to punch my punch. screen. I it's swore just, it's, it's and I'm punching. I'm punching. It sucks because it's, it's, it, two days ago, we were trying, literally a week ago, we were trying to bring Ohio State fans off a cliff because they thought the defense was out of control, was not championship worthy because Penn State scored a couple points. And now we're trying to talk ourselves off a cliff of whether or not the season's actually going to be played. This is for Ohio. Baby. This is for Ohio. It is not for Ohio State's campus. It is for Ohio at large. The R ratio on September 6th was 0.37. So every person who had it gave it to a third of a person. That ratio is now 1.67. So now everybody who has it is giving it to one and two thirds people. That's a lot more. That's a lot more spread in Ohio. What does that mean for Ohio State football? I'm not entirely sure, but I'm just telling you it's gone up. I will tell you that the rolling average of positivity over a seven day period for Ohio State students in the last several days, again, it has slightly gone up. So that's, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a world where there are just sort of like some slight increases that again, to my mind, probably slightly raise the chances of something happening at Ohio State. I will say I then tried to check when Wisconsin had its outbreak previously, what was happening at Wisconsin around that time. The numbers at Wisconsin were higher on campus spread the positivity rate on campus was higher when they had their outbreak than what Ohio State is at now. So you could sort of see Wisconsin was in a pretty good spot, then it started creeping up, and that's when their outbreak hit. So I, I'm trying to be a guide of like, okay, if, if, it's happened, if it happened now at two other Big Ten schools, Wisconsin and Maryland, they are the schools that had outbreaks. What could it mean for Ohio State? This is the last thing I'm doing. And then I'm just talking about Jonathan Cooper. <laughs> Okay, this is what I did. I looked at the coronavirus tracking site and you can track numbers by county. So I looked at the counties that all 14 Big Ten schools are in and they have a number there that is cases per 100,000. So it's not the actual number of cases in the county, it's number of cases per 100,000 people by the rate in the county, right? So you guys, like everybody knows what I'm saying? These numbers are not the number of the county because some, you know, Hennepin County in, in Minneapolis where the University of Minnesota is, is located is much more populous than the county where Typical State New College county. Pennsylvania is, yeah. right? right? So that's what I'm trying to say. But I was very interested, where would Ohio State rate, right? As you're trying to think, what are the chances of an outbreak of the, for the Ohio State football program? Because listen, Ohio State can't control what happened at Maryland, but this would be much worse for Ohio State if it was their outbreak. You don't want to play somebody with an outbreak and have them cancel your game, but it's much worse for your problem to have to cancel your game. 
So I will tell you that Ohio State was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth. The positivity, the, the case number per 100,000 in Franklin County, where Ohio State is located, is eighth in the Big Ten, which I thought, frankly, it might be higher. Given that Ohio is not doing very well right now, that Franklin County is a pretty populous county compared to a lot of other Big Ten campuses. And I will just run through this very quickly. Iowa was first. Iowa is not doing very well right now as a state. Iowa, 4,895 cases per 100,000. Northwestern was next, 4416. Illinois next, 3901. Then Maryland, 3833, and Maryland just had the outbreak. So the team that is the being affected right now, they are fourth in where their county ranks. Okay. Fifth, Wisconsin, 3680, and they're just getting over it. Okay. So the top those two programs are both in the top five. Wisconsin, 3588. Minnesota, 3519. Now you have a bunch here, all grouped together. Ohio State, 2979. Rutgers, 2952. Purdue, 2937. Penn State, 2902. Indiana, 2703. And then at the bottom, Michigan has gotten some heat from some people for being too restrictive. Michigan maybe dragged its feet on not wanting to restart. Michigan State, second lowest, 1980. Michigan, the lowest at 1860. So there might be the most restrictive Big Ten state. They also have the fewest cases in those counties per 100,000. So that made me feel a little better about is an Ohio State outbreak around the corner. I thought as I started that research, man, I wonder where Franklin County ranks here. Is Franklin County going to look much like Dane County? Now I feel like Steve Kornacki or John King. Now I'm doing all the counties. The vote's coming in in, in Dane County. This is the worst podcast we've ever done. This is the worst one. I cannot believe there's a single person still listening to this. Ohio well, State name dropping Steve Kornacki. That gets people excited again. Ohio State's in better shape than I thought before I started looking stuff up. I think if they can get the students off campus in the next two weeks, and listen, I get it. It's just a football program, and there's a great big world out there, but we're talking about this football program because that's why this podcast exists and why we have jobs. If they can get through the next two weeks, they have not had an outbreak themselves. I think if once all the Big Ten campuses clear the students, I think that will perhaps reduce the chance of spread. And just that I don't know. I thought maybe Ohio State was next. I really did. I, I, I thought that a lot as this was happening at Wisconsin, that Madison as a, as a state capital you know, there's just, it's a, it is a little more populous than a place like West Lafayette or East Lansing or State College, right? I thought, man, whatever's happening at Wisconsin, maybe that's going to happen at Ohio State. And having looked this up, I feel like maybe no, I feel like Ohio State might be in decent shape as it stands. So that I think was important. Like, well, what's going to happen next? Do you feel like more is coming for sure? Or do you feel like, hey, maybe they can get through this? So Nathan, part of it for me, I do think the students getting done slightly puts the season a, a little better chance of getting through that. I think that's a factor one way or another. Oh, no doubt. I think getting, yeah, get, getting the campuses empty for lack of a better term, except for student athletes or except for maybe it might just be football players and basketball players at that stage. Um, I, I think it's crucial. I mean, I was looking, there's another site. Was that the John Hopkins site that you were using? It was either John, I used the John Hopkins site for one and then I used the other 
kind of major coronavirus tracking site for the other, I think. Okay. There's one that I like, covidexitstrategy.org. People can look at various trends and stuff. And almost all of the big 10 over the last 14 days, their COVID positivity rate had gone up by at least 100%. So, I mean, it's something that yeah, really every single state is, is dealing with it. And I think this, and every single state though is about to just, is, is about to empty their campuses of all these kids. And so I think that's going to, if you're just looking at it from a pure football standpoint, absolutely. It's going to help them finish the season. If they can get the football team even more isolated than it is right now. All right, I that is. Just, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Stephen. I just want to wrap I think this Halloween, up. Halloween. I just, I just think Halloween just happened, which is a major holiday on campuses, and I mean pictures all over social media let you know yep. that students were not social distancing, which is probably why some of these numbers are like this on campuses over the last fourteen days. So yeah, I think getting those kids off of campus and taking that threat away of, like I said earlier, so there are some kids who don't have as much to lose if they get test positive for COVID as a college football player does, if you get that out of the way, that's how any, however many people less that you have to worry about on a daily basis of who you, who your player might catch COVID from. And frankly, again, and we're not debating the health risk of 20 year olds from coronavirus, because if you're a regular 20 year old, you might get it, barely have any symptoms and it doesn't really affect your life very much. But if you're a college football player, you can't play for three weeks. So that's the issue. We are talking about the competitive competitive balance issue. And that is a much more, as we've said the whole way, that is a much more complicated situation than only a health issue. All right. That is as coronavirus-y as we can, as I can be. I'm drenched in sweat. I, I hate myself right now. I feel terrible. I have a knot in my stomach. I don't know what I said that was these, wrong. None of it made sense symptoms? to me. Here's what I had when I got to college in 1991, in the fall of night, a young boy. Wow. Wow. So when I went to college, I went to college four states away and my parents and I had driven out to visit the campus before I went there, like my, my junior year, my senior year. And my dad basically fell asleep at the wheel while we were driving. And so we had to pull over. It was icy. I was like 17 and I had to drive the rest of the way to campus. It was a horrible road, road trip to get there. So then when it was time for me to go to college, like it, it, we weren't driving. So I got on a plane. I flew to college with my suitcases, not that much stuff. And I flew to college and they had a whole thing set up they picked you up in a special bus at the airport because you're some scared kid going to college. You don't know what the heck's going on. You're not there. Your parents aren't there dropping you off. So I got on the bus, but they put my luggage in a different van. And it was sort of a little bit confusing or whatever. So I got dropped off at my dorm and like the, the luggage van was there and I got off and the luggage van was there. And then the luggage van drove away without, and I was at my dorm without my things and I was freaking out. I was like, that's it. I'm at college and I have no clothes. And I was like sitting on a curb by myself. I didn't know what to do. And then it turned out like the luggage van just came back 45 minutes later. And they're like, oh yeah, we're just dropping the stuff off. We were coming back. And I was like, nobody told me. This was before there were cell phones. So I don't know why I decided to tell that story, but college is stressful. <laughs> college is stressful, man. And then I went into that dorm and made friends that I have to this very day. So I'm so stressed out. I, I want to get to this. No more coronavirus. I don't have it. Oh, 
I don't have coronavirus because Nathan asked because I coughed. I have a no, cough. You were just describing all of these yeah. symptoms that I think yeah. were like somewhat similar. So I just want to make sure. I thought you were going to go talking about how you didn't, couldn't taste anything next. Which is I have a cough that I have had for 30 years. <laughs> I remember when I got to college and, and I was coughing and people were like, are you sick? And I was like, no, I'm not. And I would then I that was when I realized I just cough all the time. I don't know if it's a nervous habit. I don't know if I have a ticklish throat. I don't know what it is, but I also now do feel like I am. I feel like we are discriminating discriminating against coughers because all of a sudden, when coughing previously was just annoying, it's like, Dad, you interrupted my play with your cough. That was just annoying. Now everybody thinks you have the Rona and you're spreading it. And I don't know how to tell people, no, I, I've been coughing since I was 17. It's not, it's, I swear it's not the Rona. So my cough, people have heard it on this podcast. It just happens, but I'm fine. I'm fine. I was out. Your, I did my run today. I'm, I'm okay. Your cough showed up the moment you decided to major in journalism. Yeah. So the moment you retire, it'll go away. It's good. I, it's good that, uh, seriously, when I'm working at Disney World, cough free. All right. We get thousands of people, seriously, thousands of people listen to this. I can't believe it. I'm, cr- I'm killing the audience. They did. I, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted <laughs> used to, to listen to this. I'm tempted to delete the whole thing. And then people will be like, how come you guys didn't talk about the game cancellation at all on the Thursday podcast? It'd be like, we did for 45 minutes. And Doug just talked into a circle and talked about coughing and how he hates himself. And so we deleted it. We'll see. We'll see if you actually get to listen to this or not. Let's talk about the playoff. A lot of the questions we got were about the playoff. And Steven, you looked into this. So this was a question that we got that I think a lot of people have from the 801. Why doesn't all of college football move the championships and the playoffs and the bowls back a bit? You could create some flexibility. At least the selection show could move back. The New Year's Six and all the other bowls could possibly happen on New Year's and shortly thereafter. But you just move back the playoff. The playoff can happen anytime and people will tune in. That's from the 801. It is not. I, it's, I think we've talked about this a lot before. It's the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl or the semifinals this year. They like to have tradition. They like to have the January 1st thing. But listen, we just had the stinking NBA finals in October. So like lots of tradition got blown out the window this year. So I don't know about this, but people are asking about it from the 440. Wouldn't it be advantageous for the college football playoff to delay its games at this point, especially if they can get the NFL on the same page? You'd think that NFL scouts would prefer to have more game film and that would allow more time to complete this season. We're in the second wave of COVID and it just seems like it's only the tip of the iceberg here. All right, Steven, has this been discussed? The people the power brokers in college football. What do we know so far about what anybody has said about this idea? So SEC commissioner Greg Sankey is the only one who's talked on the record about anything right now. And there has been no talk official on the record wise of anything being pushed back. They already pushed back the selection, the official selection show for the college football playoff from December 6th to December 20th. So all the conference championship games can be played on December 12th. That's that happened back in August. That's already been a thing. Whether they act right now, the conversation of will they move the actual games back? is just a conversation that media members and fans are having on Twitter and in our texts and everywhere else. But right now, 
he's the only person of any real power who matters in this conversation who has said anything. And he didn't say anything along those lines of those games getting pushed back right now. He's worried about making sure that the SEC championship can still be played on December 12th, given what's going on in his conference right now. So maybe, maybe things do get pushed back. Maybe they do, but right now that's not the initial conversation 48 hours after all this is happening. So this is a secondary question to that. Frank and Hudson asked this from the four for row with COVID cases climbing like crazy. Any thought on bumping the playoffs up and t- having eight or 16 teams in the playoffs this year? Good idea or bad idea with the powers that be considerate. So it's just people trying to spitball, trying to, to think outside the box a little bit. What to what answer that real do? quick. What he did say? shut that down. It makes, he's, it, that makes things more difficult because now it's more you know, people, more teams, more, people you have to deal with to make sure that this goes along cleanly. So the expansion in this year is not a thing. Okay. So those are the facts as they stand. And really it's, it's just Sankey talking about that certainly helped. So now we're going to speculate a little bit. And this is the one thing we're going to speculate about when it comes to coronavirus, how the college football season may adjust. Now I know the NFL is at least talking about the idea of, they already added one playoff team in each conference. So there will be seven in the AFC and seven in the NFC. They're talking about adding an eighth. And that would be, hey, like if you have some teams that, you know, have a game or two canceled and you're trying to, you don't want a team to miss the playoffs because they had a game that was canceled. They only played 14 games or 15 games or whatever. They're trying to maybe think about creating some wiggle room there. So I think, Again, they're not talking about moving back to Super Bowl, but frankly, I think they would if they had to. I think the NFL will probably do what it has to do. So with the final question on this from the 561 is, what percent chance do you give college football to complete the season and actually have the playoffs? So I wanted to throw that question out there. We can talk about this, the idea of maybe moving the playoff back, and then at the end, we'll answer and we'll come up with a percentage. And I think the percentage is, in the end is, what is the percent chance that there is a national championship game that crowns a champ? That's what I want our percentage to be on because maybe they can truncate some stuff to get there, but can they get there sort of by hook or by crook? Nathan, just the general idea. Cause I have a way that I think this could happen. Do you think that college football could come around on this? Again, you have a world where as we sit here on Wednesday night, four out of seven sec games are not being played. There's already one in the Big Ten. There's a couple others. Last weekend, there were 10 overall. Could you envision a world where the schedule gets pushed back? I'm skeptical that the schedule will get pushed back based on what we know now. I think it would have to be additional postponements. I think this would have to keep kind of spiraling into another week. I mean, with again, with the SEC, those games aren't canceled. Those games are postponed because they had built in more flexibility to their schedule. So really, the SEC is still – it's a slight interruption, but they're still on schedule to finish their season with the number of games that they were supposed to play. Now, how realistic is that? I don't know. But that, that's what they're still on pace to do. And just because the Big Ten – is playing fewer games. Uh, again, this is going to be a season where you go, um, I, you almost throw the records out to some extent, and it's going to be more based on this, this more, a much more subjective standard than ever before, as far as who gets selected for the playoff. So I don't think they're that worried about the difference between eight games and seven games, or even eight games and six games. I, I think if, if it does get moved back to, it's going to have to be with the, the okay of the, the TV partners who were heavily involved in setting the dates that they've picked for these games. Let's not pretend that that part of the commerce doesn't 
factor into when these games get scheduled. Steven, what do you think about just the general idea of maybe stuff being moved back? I think there's a chance for it. I think if you move back those playoff games, you can potentially move back some conference championship games, which what we know now, the Big Ten's not going to – it's not going to be a postponed situation where they add a game at the end, but at least the option becomes available because you're no longer – you know, you no longer up, up pushed up against a wall because of when you decided to start your season. But it also comes down one TV revenue, but also outside of the Rose Bowl, a lot of these other places that they would play these playoff games in are NFL stadiums. So you have to kind of work with, you know, some of these stadiums to make sure the date is, is that the stadium is open for that date. And there's not a NFL playoff game being played there as well. But I do think if they push it back, the opportunity for it to happen becomes a little more realistic. Well, I so think I, if they're not allowing reschedulings right now, they're not going to allow them later in terms of the Big Ten. It's not like they're going to – if the if the CFP did change those dates and it gave the Big Ten more flexibility, I don't know that they would change their policy in the middle of a season and start letting a game like the one that's being canceled this weekend be rescheduled. Yeah, I think it would still it, just be canceled. It, it's policy, but it's also – you didn't have – it's not like you had the option of having a different policy because of when you decided to start the season in the first place. So maybe if the option is there, you know, gives an opportunity for that to happen. So the thing that I, that I was going to say, then I was sort of thinking about it and I realized probably it would be very difficult for this to happen to me when the sec. And again, the sec did the best job of creating a schedule because they had a 10, 10 game schedule. They waited till late September to start it. No non-conference games. They build in some padding. They came up with the best plan. I don't know that anybody thought that when you were creating padding, that you were creating padding for a world where, well, what if we have four out of seven games canceled in a week? I think you were trying to account for an outbreak here, an outbreak there, an outbreak here, an outbreak there. But if you can have four out of seven SEC games postponed this weekend, to me, that means that you could have four out of seven Big Ten games postponed or or canceled next weekend and another four SEC games and for ACC games. And I wonder if you could get to a point where there's just enough of an outbreak where it's like, listen, man, we're like not even getting half the games in, in a weekend. Let's everybody pause. Now you don't have someone to call the pause. That's the problem. There's nobody in college football who could unilaterally say we're shutting everything down for two weeks. Everybody chill. Everybody make sure their testing is locked down. If you have an outbreak, recover from it. If you don't have one, batten down the hatches to really try to make sure you don't get one. And then we'll just pick up again in two weeks and we'll move everything back two weeks. So now we're playing the conference championship games on New Year's Eve. And now we're, you know, like that to me would make sense. To your point, Nathan, the idea of like, well, we're going to move the playoff back because Ohio State didn't get to play enough games. Or that, and you know what I mean? Like that an individual team was affected. I don't think that would be the case. But if you reach a point where there's enough of a COVID situation in the country, and we might get there, that it is to the point of like, you can't play sports right now. And I think that maybe you could get to the point where it's like, you can't play. So you can either pause, try to have everybody get better, and then restart, or you bag it. You know, like that I could see. And then all of a sudden, everything's on the table. When the issue is like, oh my gosh, you know, there were five Big Ten games canceled this week. You can't keep going like that. And no schedule padding planned for that. Hey, we had a whole week wiped out. We went seven for seven on canceled games. Thank goodness we have December 12th open, right? That wasn't exactly the thing. 
And I think everybody would come together and figure out a plan in that scenario, you know, that, but again, it's one of the things that goes back to sort of when people push back against the, the big 10 plan to have winter football, it's like, well, what's going to be better in January. And the idea, okay, well, if students are off campus now, now you're pushing it back for when students get back from campus, whatever. But that scenario is not impossible to me, but I don't think there's going to be any kind of pause or pushback just because Wisconsin had bad luck. Wisconsin doesn't have any more outbreaks, but now somebody they were supposed to play has an outbreak and now they can't play their game. Now they can't play in the big 10 championship game. Now, like they're not moving the Rose bowl for that. I, I agree with that, but I just wonder if it could get bad enough across the board where everybody just, they just take it. They pause the season for two weeks. I don't know. And it's the idea of whether you think it's possible that the number of cases in the country, again, this is, we have had, discussions on this podcast that you have a you have a coronavirus discussion and like two days later your discussion is outdated and wildly incorrect because every the, the world shifted underneath your feet so i think that could be the case here for a lot of things but i don't think they're so married to the rose bowl and the sugar bowl on january 1st and the championship game where it's scheduled that like if they got to that point, they'd say, oh, well, we have to cancel. You know what I mean? Because they don't have to yeah. worry about fans going in hotels and that kind of stuff. It's easier to move stuff back than it would be in a normal year. Well, I guess what makes it tricky is let's say they decided that um, next Saturday, going into next Saturday, they're like, you know what? We can't, we need, everybody's just going to stop. So you're talking about October or November 21st at that point. You take a two week break. So, you're, so you'd be able to come back at the beginning of December, but nobody's taking a two week break and then coming right back into playing games, right? I mean, would you still be practicing during that time? Because if, if you're know. taking a full break, you see what I'm saying, though? You see where the dominoes start to to fall? I think it, you start really pushing everything back. And I don't know if I don't know if the sport can sustain that kind of interruption. Also, I mean, this is probably a conversation for a later day, but whose rules are we following when we get to the playoff? What is do you mean, it, whose rules? As in, you know, is it the Big Ten protocol? Somebody test positive? Is it the ACC's protocol, the SEC's protocol? Because – I mean, those are all teams from different conferences now. So, you know, that's actually an interesting is point. Ohio, yeah, is Ohio State supposed if Justin Hilliard would have tested positive three a, a week, two weeks before the college football playoff game, is he supposed to miss the game? While if Amari Rogers you know, tests positive two weeks, he can still play because the ACCs are different. That's I think that's where it's also tricky with all of this is where you to the point of you saying the, the college football while needs a commissioner. All these, it's like everybody's their own state. And there's nobody in charge overhead to make sure when these states have to come together to meet, there's one common rule. That's part of the problem with some of this. Yeah. Even like day of game testing or whatever, like that, that if that, I, you know, so I don't know for sure the the big 10 rule that said Justin Hilliard couldn't play, but he could stand on the sideline. Is that the rule that's in place for the sec or the ACC, like a game day false positive? Or would the SEC let that guy play? It's a very interesting question. And again, if it's if it's Justin Hilliard's or Hilliard or Mac Jones or whatever, it's it becomes a very interesting decision on because you might have different rules for different conferences. They really need a commissioner. Um, all right, let's give. It's a great question, and actually, we probably should look into it, assuming there's still college football two days from now. Let's answer this this question from the five six one again. What percent chance do you give that we get a champ? We get a we get some kind of a legitimate enough season that creates a legitimate enough playoff that we have a legitimate enough championship game that we have a legitimate champ. 
champ, Nathan, what percent? Well, wait, 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 wait. It's a legitimate champ. What do you mean? Like, do we get to play a college a football why, playoff? Why we got and... it? Just whatever you think in your head. That, that, <laughs> we get well, to I mean, play if, the two if, playoff if, games and the national championship game happens. Yeah, I mean, if they play the college that. football playoff, that's le- that's going to be a legitimate champion. I mean, I guess I would still put the chances of that at 75% or better, at least. Would you have made that significantly higher before today and Ohio State's cancellation? Before this week, I would say yes. But, I mean, it's the combination of Ohio State plus the four SEC games plus where we are in the calendar. I mean, it's getting worse as all these numbers that people – scrolled through the first 45 minutes of this podcast. I mean, it's, it, there's a number of factors that are all kind of coming to a head this week. Nathan or Steven, what's your number? I'm at 70 just because I think the lack of students on campus may improve things. Yeah. I'm also at 70. That was my number two. And I just, I'm not sure the person who would be like at 90% right now, I, I would like to hear the explanation of why they would be that confident. Like, Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure we're getting through because I just think, you know, it retains the possibility that sort of like maybe nothing much in the country is happening at some point this fall. And that includes college football. This one was one of the last texter questions I wanted to get to, and then we'll get into sort of our second half of the podcast, which has some survey answers from our tech subscribers for anybody who hung in through this miserable crap Um, talking about football and some other stuff, but from the four, one, two, all I wanted to know was what takeout food Steven was going to eat on Saturday during the game. But now that's not even a concern. Will Doug still get chilies on Saturday? So I have been eating. I have eaten chilies sitting on my couch for the first three games. Steven and Nathan were both at the first three games for this one. We only had one credential. So it was just going to be Nathan. Steven, had you started to make takeout food plans? I did. Uh, Mo's was at the top of the list because I haven't had it in a while. So I was thinking there first, I threw out five guys just because, I mean, I literally haven't had a burger in, in months. Um, so, I, yeah, I was starting to put a list together. I was going to use the chain – actually, I was going to use the chain restaurant voting to kind of help me with my decision. Um, but, yeah, th- there were a lot of different things I was trying to consider there, but now it doesn't really matter because I'm not going to be watching Ohio State, so I can just eat whatever I want. You know, I like Moe's. I think I like Moe's even more than Chipotle in some ways, but you're aiming kind of low there, man. <laughs> I, would, I, would pick, I mean, you know, to each his own. I just. You get a steak. You get a steak if you want. I mean, you nah, go to Texas nah, Roadhouse. Nah. No. Yeah. Um, I like Moe's too. I like Moe's too. They have good salsa and their names mm-hmm. of their quesadillas are funny, right? They have like a, yeah. they have like a, hey, hey, Fletch movie quesadilla. It's hilarious. When they don't treat guacamole like it's some kind of golden truffle thing from the gods that I have to pay uh, an arm and a leg to get. It's just, it's guacamole. And it's not pure salt, which is, I mean, Chipotle is literally pure salt. And their queso is way better than Chipotle's. I like how we just like have start having a little fun. We finally start to lighten up a little bit. Then you guys just (laughs) absolutely unload on Chipotle. Just out of nowhere. You know what else is bad about Chipotle? The line, how you have to go around the little. So anyway, um, when I was in high school. Chipotle was six twenty-five for a chicken burrito. You sound so old right now. You're like the guy. We'll say this: candy bars used to be a nickel. We were we were getting work done on our uh, our kitchen this week, so I had to we had to order lunch out one day, and we got Chipotle, but only because I had a thing from Uber Eats, and it was like I got thirty dollars off for nothing. They just gave me like a free meal, so we got Chipotle. Nice. 
Uh, I like Chipotle. I would welcome them as a sponsor of this podcast. Okay, so we're going to come back. Texters, give a review of the first half of that podcast. The thing about this podcast is it's supposed to be entertaining. And I'll tell you what's not that entertaining. A worldwide pandemic is not that entertaining. It's not ha-ha funny. <laughs> funny strange, not funny I'm just trying to figure out how long I'll, I'll stay silent. <laughs> you have to, wonder, you have to put that. a disclaimer at the start of this episode. Like before yeah. the before the uh, theme, theme music kicks in, you need to see like, hey, this is Doug. <laughs> I'm sorry. The first hour of this podcast know. is misery. I got a little worked up. <laughs> okay, we're going to be back. I did a survey. We're going to talk about some football stuff. We're going to talk about some other stuff that is not COVID-19. And we appreciate you hanging in. The, the 17 people who are still listening after that first half, we appreciate you guys hanging in on Buckeye Talk. All right, back on Buckeye Talk. Pretending that first half didn't happen, we did six, seven. We did seven survey questions with our tech subscribers. If you want to be part of the tech subscription at 614-350-3315, 14-day free trial, $3.99 a month after that. We did this one question. This was I sent this out on Wednesday afternoon, like two hours before the game got whacked. So I, I, I want to spend five seconds on this just because people answered it. How worried are you about Maryland as an opponent? So it, went, it was very worried was the top. Very worried. There's a chance that Ohio State could lose. Then moderately worried. Maryland will put up points on this defense, showing some weaknesses for the future. But I'm almost certain Ohio State will win. Then barely worried. It'll never be in doubt, though the Terps may put together a few good drives. And then not at all worried. Blow out ahead. Which one do you guys think won? Very worried, moderately worried, barely worried, not at all worried. Which one won, Nathan? Barely worried. Steven? Moderately worried, the way this fan base has been acting lately. Very close. It was very close. I will tell you, very worried. The, the top one only got 3%. And not at all worried, the bottom one only got 6%. So there was not any real overconfidence, but also not any like freaking out. It was 47% barely worried, 44% moderately worried. So barely worried was the third choice, moderately worried was the second choice, but everybody was in the middle. It was a middle game. And I'll tell you what, if we would have done that same poll before the season, it would have been 90% not at all worried. Honestly, right? With what we thought Ohio State would look like on both sides of the ball and what we expected Maryland to be, which was not much. I mean, that would have been 90%, right? Don't you think? 90% not at all? Easily, yeah. Yeah. I think only Rutgers would have been higher with the not at all word. And I think even after Toya Tagovailoa got his got cleared, I think it was still going to be pretty significant. I think it's yeah. only after we've seen what Maryland has done. Maryland winning at Penn State flipped a huge percentage of that. And then added to questions about the Ohio state secondary, that it was like, correct. What Maryland mm -hmm. was doing well, Ohio state had questions about, even though Justin Fields is awesome, could there be something there? So by the way, and again, I was going through on Wednesday, just going through a lot of texts. I just can't in the moment, sometimes take them all in. I have to sort of set a day aside and go through some. There were definitely people after the Rutgers game who were asking us, mostly me, if maybe I shouldn't make fun of Rutgers anymore. 
Do you think that's appropriate? Do I need to find a different team to pick on? Because people thought they showed a little gumption. The trick plays. Shiano being there. Have we perhaps moved to a point where Rutgers slander is not as welcome on this podcast as it once was? I mean, come back well, to me when it's not 35 to three and you don't have to do a Cirque du Soleil routine on every special teams play in order to stay in the game in the second half. I'm sorry. You, I mean, I, I give them credit for, for being, uh, you know, uh, spunky or whatever and, and taking advantage of some things in the second half. But no, you, you keep your ridicule until you can win, uh, you know, two games in a season heads up straight up against somebody. And it's one out of seven games. So, no. I appreciated the fact that in the question about are we no longer slandering Rutgers, you slandered them. You called – they're just trying to compete. You called it a Cirque du Soleil routine. So um, It was. It was everything – every was single special annoying. teams thing was, was some kind yeah. of nonsense. So and I love nonsense. Up, I love nonsense. Obviously, we're writing in the second half, especially when a game is 35-3 to three at halftime. But every time you look up from your laptop, it's a trick play. And it's every and it got to it was funny at first, but then it's it's like, dude, it's 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 eleven thirty. Let's go. Yeah, I get that. Okay. So so good. So we're not stopping. It, I'll, I'll find no, with it me. Got, it got to the point where they ran so many trick plays, I was like, maybe this is why they can't play football the other fifty-three <laughs> minutes yeah. a game. Like how much time do they spend on these trick plays? Like maybe they should try some handoffs and some blocking. They're dead. Nathan, it's okay. You can, stop, you can stop kicking them. Okay, question answered. Question number two that in the survey, do you think Justin Fields will win the Heisman Trophy? So last time we asked this, it was last week or a couple weeks ago, uh, the no's outweighed the yeses. And I'll just tell you this time, I'm not going to make a guess on this. 85% yes. This was before the cancellation. 85% yes. That people... We're getting in on Justin Fields and Steven, you do our Heisman watch. Mm-hmm. There are other like Heisman straw polls and other people who do Heisman watches and stuff who seemed very in on Justin Fields. And it felt like the fact that he basically is not throwing any incompletions that Trevor Lawrence missed two games. It really Trevor Lawrence had quite the head start, and it feels like Steven that has been wiped out at least before this cancellation but let's talk about first justin putting aside the fact that his game this week is canceled do you think trevor lawrence's lead has been wiped out by by justin field steven i think it has been and as a matter of fact when i wrote this week's the whole point of it was the irony of the fact that justin fields had to watch on his television because the big 10 wasn't playing he had to watch mac jones and trevor lawrence just build this ridiculous lead over him in that race and now ironically enough this weekend they were both going to be sitting at home one because of a bye and one because of a uh, because of a game cancellation but they spent the last two weeks sitting at home watching Justin Fields build his own lead and get his way back into the race and now be the number one guy in that race and this was kind of be the moment he could separate himself now that's off the table but yeah I think He's he's been really good this year he's he doesn't incomplete passes when he does sometimes it drops i.e. Julian Fleming, which he got asked about today. But he's been so much – he was so good last year, and he's been at another level this year. And, yeah, Trevor Lawrence was good when he was playing, but Justin has just been dominant. And I think this week would have been an opportunity for him that not only he's already taken that number one spot, but kind of 
pull away from it a little bit, especially when you look at you know, what the, all three of the top guys in this, on this list have to deal with. The, the opponents they had coming up were pretty equal until they got to their champ, conference championship games. And so I, I thought this would, would have been a moment for him to start to pull away and not just be the guy in the, in the driver's seat right now. When you looked at Trevor Lawrence's head start, it would have been like, well, what, what has to happen for Justin Fields to catch up? And it would be like, I don't know. Like <laughs> Justin Fields like has to be perfect. And I don't know. Trevor Lawrence has to get COVID. And it was like, oh yes, both those things happened. So now Nathan, what does this cancellation mean for Justin Fields? Is this a speed bump? Is it a pothole? Is it a rumble strip? Is it a frontage road? Is what? it an off ramp? Is it, is it like a traffic cone that's been like run over a few times and like part of it's broken off and it's like just there by the side of the road waiting for somebody to to, to bump it? Is it a roundabout? Is, is there an old lady jaywalking and taking her sweet time getting across the street? Yeah. What is it in traffic <laughs> terms? <laughs> Speed bump might be a good analogy simply because he was speeding along. I mean, he was, you know, kind of the same way I've talked about when we've talked about uh, Cincinnati's opportunity to try to make some noise into the playoff, I was like, but they can't just win. Like they have to go out and crush it. Right. They have to go out and just obliterate people. It can't just be a normal win. And I kind of thought the same thing about fields in order to make up the ground here. I mean, obviously what happened with Lawrence was another factor, but just if all things have been equal, he wasn't going to be able to just go out and have good games. You're going to have to go out and have great games. And he's done that. I think the other thing that's helped him too, is all of the, the draft Nick people online, um, who are like, man, you won't believe like the NFL throws that this guy is making. And you can go and find a bunch of different um, write-ups about that. So I, I think he's getting the attention of the right people. Um, I, I don't know. The, the thing that hurts here is that I think I probably would have voted that this game was going to be a blowout. I was definitely leaning that way. Um, I want to respect what Maryland can do offensively. I don't really respect what they can do defensively against Fields and Olave and Wilson in this offensive line. I thought that Ohio State was probably going to put up a crazy number of points, especially because they were a little ticked about the way last week's game went. So I think you take away a full game of, out of only eight, a full game that might have been a pretty prolific game for Justin Fields. I think that does hurt him when you're already dealing with fewer games to begin with. But, Stephen, Trevor Clemson's on a bye this week. Is that what you said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it does help that also Alabama and also Clemson aren't playing. So it would have been a chance for Justin Fields to sort of have the weekend to himself and pull, maybe pull ahead a little bit, but at least he's not going to maybe lose a lot of ground. I think one game missing one game is not a big deal because he's been so good early. And I really thought it's also a little weird. I think Trevor Lawrence has been a little out of sight, out of mind. And I also have seen people make the case. I think a texter made the case that like, listen, DJ, DJ big, big Cinco. That's what he's calling himself. Oh, for real. Big Cinco. Yeah. Yeah, He's got a chain. He's got a chain that says it and everything. Right. Is that right? I seriously, I'm not, I, I, I really worked on it because I I thought we couldn't go. I, I watched somebody say it. I watched somebody say it. You thought it couldn't get worse in the first half of this podcast. And now it has. God, I might be done. This is the end of me. This is not a, this is not a speed bump for me. I came up upon the old lady in the crosswalk and I ran her down and the cops are now chasing me. This is the end of my podcasting career.
I think Trevor Lawrence has been a little out of sight, out of mind. And Trevor Lawrence is also going to come back and get on the field. And people are going to be like, oh, yeah, that guy. So uh, the world is a very fickle place. And so not a Luke fickle place. So I just think, I think this is going to be a race. I think how they play at the end is going to matter a lot. And uh, you know what? I mean, talk about people moving things. This is such a weird year. Wouldn't it, what a great year it would be. And I don't even know where the Heisman has moved itself to at the moment, because normally they vote, you know, like right after championship game weekend. And so championship game weekend has been moved back. If the Heisman had any sense, it would take the opportunity right now to hold this Heisman race until after the national championship mm-hmm. game and say, and now this out, this is how we do it from now on. You send in your ballot the Wednesday after the national championship game. It is announced the Saturday after the national championship game. And we hand whatever the finalists are announced and we hand it out the next Saturday. You would have a great, huge spot for it. It would be an excellent opportunity for the Heisman to sort of rectify, rectify this antiquated way of doing things. And absolutely. I mean, you're telling me Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields in the playoff. It'd be a playoff for the national championship and a playoff for the Heisman. All right. Can someone who wants to call the Heisman committee? I mean, it's such a no brainer. People get stuck in tradition. And then sometimes when you are forced to be shit, when you forced out of tradition because of circumstances beyond your control, if you're smart, you view that not as a problem, but as an opportunity. This is an opportunity for the Heisman and I would wish they would grab it. And I have, I have zero belief that they actually will. Yeah. I actually don't think you can call the Heisman committee. I think they're so antiquated. It's like carrier pigeon and smoke signals. Speak up there, Sonny. Did you say Stetson Barnett to win the Heisman? I'll vote for that boy. Question three. If you could have two of these three players, this is this is it. This is the actual showdown. Steven just did like cracked his neck kind of thing. Way so listen, go. listen, listen. In the name of still attempting to save the worst, <laughs> we got to 300. We celebrated our 300th podcast and then the 301st just drove it right off a cliff. In the name of attempting to save what little dignity this podcast has, let's limit this discussion to like 10 minutes. We can't redo another 40 minutes on this, but because we want to hear what the texters at 614-350-3315 have to say. It's their voice that matters the most. Yes, Nathan. I was going to say that we absolutely broke our texters today, both with my <laughs> announcing to them that the Maryland game had been canceled and this question. Cause if you go back and look at some of the responses to this question, people were like, what, just tell me which one of my kids throats you want me to slit. Like people were like, they did not this handle awesome. this question. Well, no, this was awesome. It was awesome. To go. I was just reading some of them. It was awesome. They're all wrong. If they didn't pick number five, let the people speak, let the people no. speak. And I don't have their responses in front of me. If somebody wants to call up a couple, we can go through some of those as well. But again, we're going to limit the discussion. Winning, winning, winning the vote. And the choice was this. You pick two out of three of Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and J.K. Dobbins. Two out of three for the 2020 team. Who do you pick? Winning the vote. Steven, you might have to leave. I I don't even know. Steven's going to punch. This is a punchy podcast. Punch something, Steven. J.K. Dobbins and Chris Olave won the vote. That combo won the vote at 46%. Second, Garrett Wilson and J.K. Dobbins at 37%. And third, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson at 18%. So at 82% of the texters 
wanted the running back. Nate, look, Steven, just compose yourself. Go take ahead. a moment. Take a moment for Steven. I'm Nathan. good. I'm good. Nathan, we have talked about our feelings on this. What do you think of that Steven is punching? Nathan, what do you think of that vote from the texters? Are you surprised by it at all? I'm not surprised. We have pretty smart texters, and the, the correct dis- uh, answer was Chris Olave and J.K. Dobbins. I think especially because of the way they, they're seeing this season play out, I think they've seen the what the drop is from J.K. Dobbins down to a pretty good running back, which is what Ohio State has. They may they have at least one of them. They may have two. They don't have J.K. Dobbins. And um, I, I think that they – what you have in Justin Fields can elevate a receiver it, to some extent, but there's nothing you can, I don't think, really do, and I don't think we've seen it from this offensive line, um, that you can just, that alone can elevate a running back. I think they want the punch of the running back to balance this offense more. And I think we talked about this the first time around. I do think, Stephen, the fact that there isn't really a third receiver who's done much yet hurts the vote. Wait, does that make sense? Or does it mm-hmm. not make sense? Go ahead, though. There's not really a third receiver, which actually would make you want to vote more for Wilson because the drop-off there, if you don't uh, – Steven, I, I, I was thinking about it wrong. Oh. Steven's like, uh, yeah, because if you don't have both those guys, now you've got Chris Olave and who? You have J.K. Dobbins, but you have Chris Olave and who? And I guess the answer is, well, you have Jackson Smith and Jigba. And it's like Jackson Smith and Jigba is now the second best receiver on a national championship team. And you're complaining about master Teague and that's no shade at Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigma. That guy's a true freshman. It's Jamison Williams. I don't know. I mean, we're complaining about Trey Sermon and master Teague. I'm not sure what Jamison Williams has done so far, or had the opportunity to do. So I don't know. I, I'm not surprised either because there's been such discussion on this podcast and such a reaction from our texters about their lack of belief in the run game. The fact that 82% of them said, I got to have J.K. Dobbins does not surprise me. But Stephen, now feel free to tell the people who pay for the right to be part of these surveys and therefore keep us employed, go ahead and tell them why they're wrong. Here is why you are wrong. Yes, J.K. Dobbins was amazing last year. But Ohio State has never had and used a wide receiver as talented as Garrett Wilson. They've had a wide receiver as talented as Garrett Wilson, maybe even more talented with Michael Thomas, but they didn't use him at all. As a matter of fact, they rotated him. And you can look at what they did in 2018 in that passing game. Garrett Wilson is head and shoulders better than Paris Campbell and K.J. Hill. And you can put him back outside. And this team is probably – we all think this team is going to win a national championship and they're going to do it without a J.K. Dobbins level running back. They're going to do it with two average running backs and the other one is actually probably below average right now. And you want to know why? Yes, Justin Fields has been extremely accurate. But you want to know part of the reason why he's been so accurate is because these wide receivers are four and five feet open when he throws them the ball. Usually can no, nobody can keep up with these guys. And that's a whole other element that Ohio state has never had and used. And it's why they're in a position to be the favorites to win a national championship right now. We've seen them have good running backs in the past, like JK Dobbins, but the passing game wasn't good. And so they lost the, they lost the Iowa because of that. JK Dobbins wasn't great as a sophomore when, I mean, that's still JK Dobbins as good as those guys were. That's third year JK Dobbins. And this, this is third year Chris Olave. 
This is second year Garrett Wilson, and honestly, he's already better. In my opinion, he's better than what Chris Olave is as a third year year guy and he's in his second year and his ceiling is only going to continue to climb throughout the rest of the ceiling because you can use him in the run game you can use him in the pass game you can put him outside you can put him inside you can use him as a punt returner oh he is this his the options of what you can do with him are limitless and ryan day knows it too that's why he's let it off the leash a little bit and it's gone and saying things like the sky is the limit with garrett wilson that's why he's saying all those things right now because he knows the way when you have a, a quarterback who's going to be talented, it's going to get developed by Ryan Day, and you have Ryan Day's play calling and creativity, and you have a talent like Garrett Wilson, the options are limitless. As J.K. Dobbins was great, but so was the line last year. I just find it interesting that we keep bringing up Chris Olave running one jet sweep a game as being this big almost replacement for what you would not be getting from the running game. If you brought JK Dobbins back in, I also think if a great question for our texters, if we could even word it in the right way that they would understand it, are you more, are, do you think it's, are you more, I'm trying to think of the way, the best way to word it. Do you think it's more likely that Ohio state wins a national championship this year based on what you've seen from Wilson and Olave, or do you think it's less likely that Ohio state wins a national championship this year based on what you've seen from the run game? So, Again, we're going to limit this discussion a little bit. We can keep returning to this in different ways, I think. I think Steven makes some very compelling points. I think a little bit at the end, he got started flailing the arms a little bit, threw a little, little random shade at J.K. Dobbins. Just, I did. And, and a little random shade at Chris Olave, by the way. It, which I, I did. Helps your point. Look. But I do think the world, the world where you only have, and, and I think it even hurts your feelings that Olave and Dobbins got more votes than Wilson and Dobbins. That if you're taking yeah. one receiver, you're taking Garrett Wilson. So we get that. But the idea of that the two receivers complement each other, and in a world where if you're playing an elite team and Nick Saban said, they only have one receiver that scares us, and guess what? That guy's not getting the ball. We're double teaming that guy every snap. And now Ohio State becomes like a zone read team, and they just Dobbins and Fields their way down the field running the ball. That's kind of what they would have to do to take advantage of their talent. Because if you have J.K. Dobbins in the backfield and they're doubling the one good receiver all the time, your answer to beat Alabama can't be like, well, we'll just throw to Jackson Smith and the Jigba 13 times. Like, that's not right. Then you've got to lean on the run game that is so good. So I, I do the, – the one thing about Olave and Wilson is you can't. You can't stop both. You can't. Because you can't double-team both guys at the same time. And so it is a compelling case that does not require – bringing up 2018 J.K. Dobbins because we're not talking about 2018 J.K. Dobbins. Sorry, J.K. Okay, it's okay. He's good, by the way. He really Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been average in KC. J.K. has been pretty good in Baltimore. I think J.K. was a good pick for the Ravens. He's a good running back. It's, it's a very interesting discussion, and I think we can – I think there are more things we can do with this idea. And it, I think there are ways that we can – we're not going to make Ryan Day be a tech subscriber and answer the survey, but there are ways – because I will say this, Ryan Day got asked about offensive balance the other day. And it, he was asked about it in terms of like the, having more than 200 rushing yards and having 200 receiving yards. And that is an antiquated, uh, Urban often talked about that, but honestly in the modern day, that's an antiquated way of thinking about it. I think Mike Leach is the guy who said stuff about this. It's like just having balance between run and pass is not really offensive balance. You can have balance within your passing game and you don't have to run to be balanced you have to be able to do different things on the field but that doesn't mean you have to turn around and hand it to a guy and have him run into the line 17 times a game so i think that that 
with Wilson and Olave and sort of their different skill sets and not even about them running the ball, which is a tiny fraction of the way they can help, but they can offer a balanced complementary offense within the passing game itself, which I think is an important thing to talk about. And I think it's something we can talk about with Ryan day more a little bit. And I think, I think there's a way to ask Ryan day. It's one of those things, how you ask Ryan day a recruiting question, but you can't say the recruits name. And it's like, Ryan, uh, if you were to get another five-star quarterback, let's say what, and it's like, okay, if you say Quinn Ewers, they're going to have to report somebody, but you could say, Ryan, would you rather have, if you could have two all American players on offense, would you rather have two all American receivers or would you rather have one all American receiver and one all American running back? Right? Like and there's a way that you can talk about offense and that no offense has it all. But if you're going to lean kind of which way might you want to lean? And I think we can discuss that with Ryan day. Let's discuss this with our tech subscribers. Some of these texts, some of these survey questions are hard to get out and have and explain, but the, the texters do a good job picking me up on it. I said, rank Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson in order of the team most likely to win the national title. So the result then is that there are six options and it's all the ways you can organize those three teams that I think, you know, if you think Clemson is most likely to win, then Ohio State is second most likely, then Alabama is third most likely. Like that's one of the options. So you've just got to think in your head, what is my answer to that question? How I would rank them? And then look for that. Did Doug give me that option? And yes, of course I did. I covered all six options. So you guys think that in your head, rank in order of most likely to win the national championship, those three teams. Steven, you go first. What's your order? Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama. They all have explosive offenses. I just think that might be the order of the ceiling of their defenses if they reach their potential. And I think regardless in all of those games, it comes down to maybe who can get a key stop here or there. And I think all of them have things to work on. I just think Ohio State's defense has the highest ceiling to be able to do that. Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, that was the fourth choice with 7% of the vote. Nathan, what is your order? Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. That is the number one choice with 46% of the vote. It's hard for me. Like we, I picked Ohio state. We all picked Ohio state to win the national championship before the year. So if you say Alabama now, it's what specifically has changed to make you think that. And there's a variety of things that could make you think that the way Ohio state's defense has played or hasn't played the way Ohio state's running game has played or hasn't played the way Mac Jones has certainly sort of risen to the occasion for Alabama just maybe who they have left on the schedule, the way things work out, that kind of thing. I am almost right on the razor's edge of which way I would go with that. At the moment, I think I would put Clemson third, though. And I will tell you, 76% of the votes had Clemson third because 46% said Bama, Ohio State, Clemson. 30% said Ohio State, Bama, Clemson. Then... 12% Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, 7% Ohio State, Clemson, Bama, 3% Clemson, Ohio State, Bama, and only 1% Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. So Ohio State was, was third on only 13% of the, of the time were they the third team. And they were the first team 37% of the time, and they were the second team 49% of the time. So not overwhelming, 
for Ohio State. It wasn't like everybody said Ohio State first, definitely. Nathan, I'm saying that I'm torn right now. If I had to bet my house today, who wins the national championship, Ohio State or Alabama? And if I was trying to make that bet, taking COVID out of the equation, I'm not going to try to guess who has more games canceled and how that affects the playoff committee. I'm really just trying to think about who's the better team. I honestly do not know where I would go. I really, truly don't. I think I'm practically 50-50. But I think if they said, got to bet the house, I think I'd say Ohio State because of Justin Fields. Where, where would you be on that? We know where Steven is. Where would you be on that, Nathan? I wasn't 50-50 back when we made our picks, but I probably I – had, I had this feeling that I might have been – a lower percentage on Ohio State than maybe the, the two of you were just to the questions I had about the defense and because I thought Alabama was going to be pretty great. So I don't know that I'm, I, I think I'm, I'm, I might even be, I think if I had to pick like gun to my head tonight, I might pick Alabama. But the other, the other factor I think that it's important to remember here is if we think these are the four playoff teams throwing Alabama or throwing Notre Dame into this, if we think those are the four playoff teams and you think Clemson's going to win the rematch, that means Alabama gets Notre Dame in the first round of the playoffs. I think that is a factor here that you wouldn't have to beat Notre Dame or you would have to beat Ohio State and Clemson to win a national championship. That's an interesting point. And I originally in this survey was going to have a question about who do you think the fourth playoff team will be? And I decided to save that. And maybe we can have that as part of Monday Madness because we, we, we talk about that. And maybe we can have the, the tech subscribers chime in on that this week. And we could take another weekend of games and see how that goes. But there's a lot of jockeying. There's a lot of assumptions being made, right? Like how this might play out. And all it takes is one weird thing to happen. And it would change, um, I think, your perception of things. But I do think that's an important point to make that. That if you just think, because it happened last year. I mean, it's very similar. No offense to Notre Dame and Ian Book and everybody else. They have a freshman running back who's pretty good. No offense to what Notre Dame's doing, but I just don't see them in the same way. I think they're probably better than Oklahoma was as the four seed last year. But I do just think that's a legitimately easier path. And I think Alabama has the inside track to that easier path as things stand at the moment. All right. One more quick break here on Buckeye Talk. We'll be back with the last couple survey questions. Who will be Ohio State's starting quarterback in 2021? Who will win the Big Ten West? And then I did ask a COVID-19 question before the game was canceled. So we can see where people were. Because there were most of the votes were in before the game was canceled. About 80% of the votes were in. We'll let you know what people were thinking before that. And then we'll wrap this up. Thanks for listening to Buckeye Talk. All right. I keep enjoying thinking about the 2021 quarterback situation. Not that it's going to be better for Ohio State. It's going to be worse. But it's going to be interesting. And so I was curious, had people's perceptions changed at all based on Jack Miller was the first guy in so far? And we've only seen CJ Stroud for one snap. And so I said, who will be Ohio State starting quarterback in 2021? CJ Stroud, Jack Miller, Kyle McCord, or other, like a transfer, I said. Only 1% of the people said other. I thought we might get a rash of other, of people trying to be like, well, I think, you know, maybe this or that or you know, and it didn't really happen. So it's the three guys we've been talking about. Nathan, who do you other, think what? Let's go ahead. I was going to say other, other could also be Justin Fields, right? I mean, I didn't even want to go there. I mean, I get it. Everyone's going to avoid. I mean, it's not happening. I mean, it's not. Trevor I'm Lawrence is also not coming back. Yeah. But yes, I could look to see the 1% and see if someone said Justin Fields. I also didn't say Gunnar Hoke. But we talked about before, it's like, oh, if, if stuff's crazy and, you know, is there a grad transfer or whatever, people didn't go down that road. Uh, so, Nathan, who do you think won? I think C.J. Stroud won. Steven? 
I think CJ Stroud won as well. CJ Stroud got 65%. Jack Miller got 23%. Kyle McCord got 11%. What do you think about Kyle McCord's 11%, Stephen? That feels a little low to me, frankly. It does, but I'm not surprised that's what it is because I think some of it is just the idea that these two have been on campus and they've been in the playbook already and Kyle McCord is still in high school and he only played six high school football games this year instead of a full regular slate of games that he would have played. So maybe they're just thinking he's a little bit behind um, in a year where maybe they're also a little bit behind, so he might be even more behind than them. But I, I do think if I was voting, I would have picked Kyle McCord. I think he's not as behind as he would have been in a normal situation, even if he did only play six games, um, which was very valuable that he did not have to sit out his senior year. And Ryan Day admitted to that, you know, in general terms, since he can't actually talk about Kyle McCord yet. But I do think there's an opportunity for him to get on campus and, and he won't be even footing but he'll be as close to even footing as he can be, especially with, I mean, as the Rutgers game showed us, Ohio State might be in some situations because of this defense where Justin Fields has to play deeper into a game than maybe they intended him to be. And so C.J. Stroud and Zach Miller don't necessarily get the in-game snaps that maybe they were hoping for. So I, I wouldn't count that out. I, I, I think I was surprised that he had less votes than Jack Miller, but I was not surprised he wasn't first. I was, well, was going to say, sometimes I have trouble hearing things Steven says. And I thought when he said they're not on even footing, I, I thought he said he won't be eating pudding, which, <laughs> which I had to like stop and then like take in the context clues to understand exactly what he had said. But I want to agree that I, I would have, I would have suspected Kyle McCord to come in second. And I actually think that both McCord and Miller's percentages should have probably been higher. I like that. As a, as a saying that like, you're like, you're not taking anything for granted. Like Kyle McCord is not going to be coming in here eating pudding. Like he's going to be coming in here fighting for a job, you know. That's um, a cocky thing to be doing. That'd be awesome, actually. Yeah. That's what uh, – did you see, by the way, uh, Daryl Green, the former Washington football great Hall of Fame cornerback, in an interview this week said he thought Dwayne Haskins' issue was overconfidence. And that he thought there was maybe Ooh. that's what really did him in. And again, we have talked a lot about, I thought Urban Meyer did a lot to attempt to rein in any overconfidence from Dwayne Haskins. I thought it was very purposeful. I asked Dwayne about it. I think Dwayne agreed. I think, I think Dwayne walks the line between confident and overconfident. And I thought it would serve him well in the NFL because nobody believes in himself more than Dwayne Haskins believes in himself, but that to have someone who is around that football team is a respected hall of fame, Washington player. It's what he said. It doesn't shock me that somebody would say that about Dwayne. And I think perception goes a long way, but it's just an interesting thing to think about the way you want your quarterback to be confident. Is it possible Dwayne had a little bit too much of it, had a little too much, was eating a little too much pudding in Washington, to be frank. I like how Tate probably had a little too much confidence when he came in Ohio State. Yeah, and that's Not to throw more shots at people, but it's easy to be confident or overly cocky when you're clearly the best player, but you go up a level and that might not be the case anymore. Yeah, and certainly Dwayne had a lot. I mean, Tate was a great high school player, but what Dwayne did at Ohio State was unprecedented when he did it. Mm -hmm. So Dwayne had a lot, uh, Dwayne had a lot of reason to be confident. So, I just think uh, if if someone can help him, it's one of those things. It's, it, you can say, well, I'm not overconfident. It's like, well, if people perceive you as overconfident, you might be overconfident, right? Like I go, that happens to me all the time. It's like, I'm not a jerk. 
And it's like, well, everybody thinks you're a jerk. So then you're probably a jerk. So perception matters. And I think if Dwayne can maybe get that straightened out a little bit, he has a shot still, I think. I think he's a good football player. So I'm curious how that goes. But I was a little surprised. I guess nobody's surprised that CJ Stroud won this voting. I will say it is a little odd that we are going to be halfway through this Big Ten regular season and C.J. Stroud will have taken one snap. That as much as Justin Fields lost something by not being able to play Maryland this week, I think C.J. Stroud lost something because it's clearly his turn. And it's like, is he going to get his turn against Indiana? I don't know. I mean, I guess probably maybe not. You know, they might have to play him play Justin the whole game against Indiana. Who knows? I mean, Indiana is pretty good, it looks like. Will he get it against Michigan State? maybe i guess he could will he get it against illinois i guess maybe that's your chance but it is like it's okay if you thought they were going to handle maryland it's just a little odd we have no feel honestly we have no feel for cj stroud not that we have a great feel for jack miller but at least we know what his throwing motion looks like in college football we don't even know what cj stroud looks like taking a snap honestly he's taking one snap so that is something that I thought I think all of us would have thought we would have had a better feel for that right now. It doesn't mean that CJ is not ahead. It just means that it's hard for us to have a to perceive the race, right? So it's interesting to think. About. I think Go ahead. I think he's more annoyed with Greg Schiano and the trick plays than anybody else because of that. Because i um, somebody asked Justin after the game about did you expect to play that deep into the game? And he just flat out said, I did not. I didn't think we'd be out there that long. And Absolutely. so I pretty sure everybody there was under the impression that the second half was going to be CJ Stroud's chance, at least the fourth quarter. So I think CJ, if we're annoyed with Greg Schiano, CJ Stroud is a different level of that. And as Nathan noted on a text, when I said last week that I thought maybe they would not have Justin Fields play after halftime, Ryan Day said he thought about that. And then they did come out and play him. And then they had those two drives that went a little sideways offensively and he wound up playing the whole second half. So CJ really missed an opportunity there. All right, I think this is important. This continues to be important, not because who Ohio State plays, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It matters. It's a Big Ten championship game. I don't think anybody's going to beat Ohio State, but who's it going to be in Indianapolis? The survey question, who will Ohio State play in the Big Ten championship game? And I noted in the, excuse me, in the question, if Wisconsin has another game canceled, the Badgers are ineligible. And again, if everybody in the Big Ten has them canceled and the whole average number of games, whatever, we get it. But for the most part, Wisconsin has to play every game the rest of the way because they've already missed two. So the choices I gave, Minnesota, Purdue, Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern, there won't be a Big Ten championship game or Ohio State won't make the Big Ten championship game. So I will just say Ohio State won't make it, got a single vote. One person said, I don't know, that Indiana's going, I guess. 3% of the people said there won't be any Big Ten championship game. So that's only 3% of the vote. The other 97% of the people picked an actual team. Northwestern and Purdue currently lead the way. Wisconsin's only 1-0, and though. Uh, who would you guys – I won't make you guess unless you want to guess. I'll ask you both. Who would you have voted for in this survey? And if you want to guess who won, go ahead and answer that too. Nathan, you first. I'm going to guess that Wisconsin won, and I am going to pick Northwestern. Steven. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to go with. Pick Northwestern and guess Wisconsin won. So the Texers actually agree not with your guess, but with your pick. Northwestern won. Northwestern got 60%. Wisconsin got 29%. 
Purdue got 6%. But listen, Northwestern and Purdue played this weekend. If Purdue beats Northwestern, like Purdue's in the driver's seat. Because Purdue will not play Wisconsin now. Right. And at some point, and then Iowa got 2%, Minnesota got 1%. I kind of just threw them in. I mean, it's really the, the three undefeated teams in the West are Northwestern, Wisconsin, and Purdue. Why did you guys say Northwestern? Is your answer about Northwestern based on more that you think Northwestern is good or more that Wisconsin season is just so sideways, like it, like Wisconsin's probably either going to not be eligible or just is not going to get there through the tiebreakers or whatever? Both. I think Northwestern is just really good this year, but also that's a lot of football to miss. And then expect Wisconsin to just pick up right where they left off, even if they do get to finish out the rest of their season. So a combination of they're really good, but also I don't know if Wisconsin can regain that if they do get a chance to play the rest of these games. Yeah, and we, we still don't know if Graham Mertz is actually back and able to play, which I think is a huge factor for Wisconsin. It could be Timmy Vandenboom or whatever that guy's name is that's their you know fourth string that's going to maybe have to play. And I just like – I think Northwestern's the one team that has a defense that can probably answer Wisconsin's offense. But I will say, I think this game – I think this Saturday game, now that I don't – now that I can't cover the Ohio State-Maryland game, this Northwestern – Purdue game is intriguing to me. So Nathan, I do think we did not run through like big 10 tiebreakers and that kind of thing on the podcast yet. I know you had texted it to people. It is a little bit confusing. Let's use the West as a way to illustrate what also could happen in the East. Although again, it's going to be fine. Like like Maryland already has a loss and Ohio state, Indiana, there's no reason to think Ohio state, Indiana is going to be canceled next week because Nobody on Ohio State or Indiana is having a COVID issue at the moment, as far as we know. So, you know, we can cross that bridge when we come to it. But this is this is something that actually already has happened, Nathan. If Wisconsin finishes six and zero, that they 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 play the rest of their games and they're undefeated, and Northwestern is seven and one, that Northwestern has no games canceled, but they take one loss. Wisconsin goes yeah, it's win, right. It's win percentage. What if Northwestern is eight and zero, and Wisconsin is six and zero? Who goes? So then it comes down to um, there's a, there's you can just check down each of the criteria and then it comes down to basically because they will have played the same conference divisional opponents and be undefeated against them and they'll have played each well have not played each other so they have no record there it goes all the way down to the fifth criteria which is your record against your non-divisional opponents your oh. your so in that case the east division opponents oh but wait but actually they will have played they their game wasn't canceled they'll get to play each other that actually can't oh, okay so then you can't well then they can't both be the one they right. can't be eight no six so it would be so the only where the way that that could actually happen is if because the the two games was yeah, canceled would be the one where nebraska want. and purdue right. so if right. that's the case so but the point is the point to make here is that in terms that the Big Ten, the way they're doing it, does not make a distinction between eight and zero and six and zero. It's winning percentage, right? They do not right, eight and zero right. is not better than six and zero. So you I, go into a tiebreaker just like you would if they were both eight and zero. Correct. That's my understanding of the way that I read this. Yeah, and I think now, now that's well, I'm gonna say that you get to other tiebreakers before you get to that. If you get down farther, um, it still is just talking about winning percentage. It doesn't talk about uh, the number of games played. So. My understanding, I, I don't see any place where it, where it gives precedence to one number of games played over another. It's all winning percentage. Okay, which is, which is as it always is, but yes. So just the, the general thing of – so actually, Wisconsin not playing these games has not 
really hurt them at all, other than the fact that if Purdue runs the table and Wisconsin runs the table and you think Wisconsin's better, they will have not had the opportunity to beat Purdue on the field since that game was canceled. That would be the, the way that, would, that Wisconsin could like get a bad outcome out of this. Otherwise, because the Nebraska game doesn't matter. Otherwise, like missing the games is an edge because it's just one less game you can't lose. And having the lower number of wins, the, you know, playing fewer games but having the same winning percentage, that doesn't affect you. So that, that's something that people would complain about too, that, oh, suddenly now Wisconsin had COVID and it helped them because they only had to go 6-0 and Purdue had to go 8-0. And why is that fair? But I mean, again, it's a COVID world. You can only do so much. So. One thing I want to bring up, because I, I did see some texters kind of asking about this, was if, if, that, if that happened in the East with IU and Ohio State, it's not going to be a scenario that keeps Ohio State out of the playoff. If, if for some reason Ohio State lost that tiebreaker, but they were in the top four, they will go to the playoff. That, that, that is also written into the tiebreakers. And the other thing is that you don't lose the game. So that if some weird thing happened, and right, Indiana and Ohio State don't play, and that's what we said, we're not going to go down a bunch of – of frontage roads that we haven't gotten there yet. If Ohio state and Indiana don't play, then we can talk about all this stuff, but really Ohio state, you still get the game. So it's like if Indiana is playing in the big 10 championship game against Northwestern, and then Ohio state would go play Wisconsin and the number two game. So you actually aren't losing as much as you normally would, because normally you lose the game. You lose the opportunity to show how good you are again. So that's the thing about all this. Listen, there is not going to be if stuff gets haywire and like Alabama and Ohio state don't play enough games to do whatever they're supposed to do, but they're undefeated. Like they're not going to say, Oh, well, sorry. The playoff is Northwestern versus Texas A&M because Alabama and Ohio state didn't play enough games because their opponents got COVID like that is not what's going to happen. So like, if that's what you're worried about, they would, tear the playoff apart and put it back together and say, we're changing all the rules. We're putting Ohio state and Alabama in because it just wouldn't make sense. That's not when the playoff has out. They have not announced any minimums or anything like that, that I could find. I don't think they've made any announcements. It's like, yeah. So, I mean, if, if Ohio state doesn't play another game this year, in theory, (laughs) the college football playoff could still say, no, they're one of our four best teams. They get to come Mm -hmm. with three games. And they would. And yeah, I don't think anybody would have a problem. Well, somebody would, but, They've no, shown people would have a problem with it, but I yeah, think they would I do mean, it. It doesn't, doesn't matter. They've shown they're one of the four best teams. Ohio State fans wouldn't have a problem with it, and Ohio oh, no, State fans no. listen to this podcast. So, okay, here's the last thing, which becomes I don't know. I don't know if it becomes more relevant or less relevant. How worried are you about COVID 19 affecting the college football season? I gave five choices here. At the top, was extremely worried. I think the season will be canceled and no champ will be crowned. Then was quite worried. I think the season will endure serious delays. The title game may be moved back and the virus will have a somewhat major effect on who wins based on it, knocking out some players or teams. Then was worried. It will continue to be a weekly issue that everyone thinks about, but the sport will make it through and crown a legitimate champ. Then was barely worried. Some canceled games this week. It's all part of the deal. No one will get seriously sick. It's fine. And then the last one was not at all worried. The virus is overblown. The sport will fight through and stay on schedule. So the bottom, again, it's five. It's basically just five, four, three, two, one, or one, two, three, four, five, whatever. So there's no point in guessing here. We'll just discuss the results. This, the middle one, one. Worried, one. Worried, the middle choice got 55%. The second most serious one was second with 35%. That's quite worried. 
The fourth most serious one, barely worried, got 5%. The most serious one, extremely worried, got 4%. And the not at all worried got 1%. And especially after the game was canceled, I don't think anybody else was voting not at all worried anymore. So the, the thing in general is people are right in the middle, but they are leaning more towards the worried side than the not worried side. Because right in the middle was 55%, but the more worried than the middle got 35% and less worried than the middle only got 5%. So I think that's the distinction that matters here that, you know, the middle is probably where a lot of people are, but which way are you leaning? It's like the independent voters. They, which way are you leaning? There's not many people on the edges. Uh, These tech subscribers, there's not many people absolutely freaking out. The season's dead. And there's not many people saying like, it's fine. What do you think of that? Again, Mostly the point, I think, is that when it leans, it leans more toward a little more worried than a little less worried. Stephen, what do you think of that? That's not surprising, given what just happened right now. And I think that's what it's going to be for the rest of the season. It's going to be everybody's going to be in the middle. And whether you lean towards, you know, quite worried and barely worried is just depending on how many games get canceled that week. And if Ohio State's had one game canceled and if Next week, it's the same situation where we're here, then it'll be quite worried. But if we get to next week and 90% of college football is planned, there'll probably be more people leaning towards barely worried. But I think it'll just teeter back and forth throughout the rest of the season until we get to the playoff or Nathan, not. What do you think, Nathan? Yeah, I, I would be really interested to, to – no one has the time for this, but to go back and, like, break it down by when when the announcement came in and then how many votes came in after that and did it change those top mm. – Well, funny you should ask. <laughs> I actually took a screenshot of the voting like the minute you sent out the text to see where it was. Most of the votes were in like so 80% smart. of the votes were in and it didn't really change. Okay. It was the, the one that was worried. The one in the middle was 55% both times. And then the, the, the fact the number two one, the, the second most serious one that wound up at 35%, it was actually, more it was actually a higher percent before it was announced it was at 37 percent. so there really was really basically no impact on the voting this is what people were thinking both before and after the announcement although to be fair 80 percent of the votes came in before the announcement but go ahead well and i think you know as much as people paid attention to that today i think they also paid attention to the fact that wisconsin two weeks ago had whatever 27 cases or whatever now they're down to like five and they're going to try to play on Saturday and that, you know, there's one, this one game is canceled because of one team that has a problem this week in the big 10 so far as of Wednesday night, haven't checked Twitter in the last few minutes, but that that's one game. Yeah. I know the sec is having their problems. I think people are. So again, I think that's probably where I would probably be too is, is middle ground. You know, we gave our own percentages and I, I, I said 75%, but I still think that it's it by the end of next week, we could be back to more or less normal whatever normal is. Um, and it's just going to have to be a thing that, that fluctuates week to week, as Stephen was saying. I think it's going to be interesting just to, to see if Notre Dame's going to get to Saturday because they haven't had anything in the announcement come out yet. And we saw what happened after they won that game on Saturday. So yeah. I don't know how many people, if, if Notre Dame gets to Saturday and they play that game, how much that eases fans' minds, if any. I, I will say at the end, you know, Nathan, you referenced the percentages that we gave in the first half of the, the miserable first half of the podcast. And you said 75% chance 
uh, that they get through. And I think Stephen and I said 70% chance. We're all in the same range. My 30% of not getting through is basically like the virus gets serious enough that it kind of wipes out everything. Mm-hmm. Like that's really what, like the idea of like, well, there's like enough, well, this many games. Oh, there's four big tank. I, I, I'm just leaving, you know, a one third chance that it's the fall. People are inside. Scientists had said there might be a second wave. The numbers at the moment are bad and rising and that college football is not separate. College football alone is not stopped. College football, like everything, is stopped. That if we get to a point where if we relive March, a March that shut down the NBA, that wiped out the NCAA basketball tournament, if we get back to that point, And I think we probably won't get exactly to that point because we know a lot more than we did then. We know a lot more about how to handle it, right? So we've gathered information along the way. So maybe we wouldn't have to react that way. But if the cases are rising at such a level that everybody's like, listen, we just can't, we just got to have people kind of stay to themselves for a couple of weeks. We got to chill out. We got to knock this thing out. Then it's not a college football issue, right? That's the 30% that I'm leaving open. But that's a 70% that, that it's okay. So I'm not trying to be, and I'm not an expert, but you know, you don't want to be blind to the fact that cases are going up, but we also don't want to spend 10 hours a week on this podcast talking about it. So here's what we're going to do. Nathan and Steven, you, the three of us have to figure out what we're going to do for the Friday picks pod, but we're going to do something. I don't know if we'll do it Thursday night. If we do it Thursday night, we have it live zoom with the textures. We'll let the textures know. I, we will do something on the weekend. We will do a weekend podcast and we will figure that out. We will bring you something. Maybe it's Saturday afternoon. I don't know what, maybe we drop it Saturday morning. We'll figure that out. And we're not going to talk all about coronavirus. We're going to talk about football. We're going to talk about the Buckeyes. We might do some midseason awards or something. Nathan had suggested that we have lots of things that we can do. We will not put you through that first half of the podcast again. I can't take it. I can't live with myself, that version of Doug, any longer. Look, a game was canceled today because of coronavirus. So it was worthwhile talking about coronavirus in that context. But I think you're right. I don't think I, that doesn't that doesn't mean it dominates this season, defines this the rest of this season. I think you take it as a case by case basis, but I look forward to, like we said, I mean, this after Saturday, they're through, they're halfway through the Big Ten season, so we're going to be doing midseason stuff anyway. That's what we've been doing on the podcast anyway, or we should be. And the next week's game is a huge one. The Indiana, I mean, it's going to be two top ten teams coming to play at noon on Fox next Saturday in Ohio Stadium. Huge game, and we're going to be spending all next week talking in depth about that game, unless something else happens like this. So, I, I mean, I think we'll be back to football pretty quickly by tomorrow. Yeah, to be optimistic, I mean, by tomorrow we could be complaining about how come Marcus Hooker missed a tackle and, you know, what's going on with the defensive ends and is Sean Wade going to keep improving as an outside corner? You know, that type of negativity that we all love. (laughs) Oh, that's it. It's not that we're searching for positivity. (laughs) It's that we're searching for that comforting form of negativity. It's the devil you know. That's Listen, you can deal with the devil you know. That's very true. The devil you know, Buckeye talk. That's up there. That is up there for slogans. (laughs) That is very descriptive of this podcast. Listen, you guys, thanks for hanging in. We love you. We'll get through it. 
If you want to try the texts, we, we work it out. We talk it out. I'm going through a rash of texts. I'm just shooting stuff off to people and saying, hey, sorry, I'm four days late, but I read this. I thought you made a good point. We're keeping connected with you guys. It's going to be all right. Everybody's going to be okay. Everyone's a little freaked out right now. So stick with us. We'll stick with you. We appreciate everybody who makes Buckeye Talk part of their day. Two more podcasts coming later this week. We'll figure out exactly how we do it, and we'll let you know. But for now, that was the big Thursday pod for Nathan Baird and Stephen Means. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.